Welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast, Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How are you doing this week, buddy? I'm pretty good. How are you? Incredible. Doing incredible. Uh, yeah, it's been two weeks, I think, since we did one again. Yeah, I think yeah. It's, it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, and I know you won't be here next week, but we're hoping to maybe get someone to fill in, perhaps Jacob Barker, our capologist. Yeah, yeah. Or, or we can spend all episode talking about Buying out Sergei Bobrovsky, potentially. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's been a while. Things are good. Football playoffs going on. We're recording this right now. Dolphins are playing. I know we have a lot of Dolphins fans listening. Um, so that's not it's, great. It's not going great. No. I will say, though, right? Again, like I'm a Seahawks fan. They're out, right? We, you know, That was terrible yesterday. But then I was telling you before, yesterday, I was watching, obviously, the, the Jaguars. And uh, the Chargers play, and the Jaguars went down 27 nothing, which was when I thought, they're coming back. And it threw down on the Jaguars yesterday, 27 nothing, Easy money. So I'm just going to live off that high for a little bit. The easiest money. I, You know, that's a I, – I don't want to say it's a once-in-a-lifetime bet, but, like, those do not happen often. No, it's one of those ones where it was, like – you wish you bet more money on it, right? Yeah. But, you know, it was, I think, right after Trevor Lawrence threw that fourth interception. I think that's when I was like, nah, but, yeah, they're coming back. They're coming back. I, I, I was, like, walking in. I'm like, can I cash out early? Like, this is – so, yeah, I'm living off that right now. Um, there you go. Love football playoffs. Um, but because it's been two weeks, though, we do have a lot of uh, – some a lot of Panthers games to talk about. Lots going on around the team. Um. And so we'll get into it. We'll start off the biggest thing over the last couple of weeks, Spencer Knight's injury. Obviously, it's not long term, but he's been out for a little while. So Sergey Bobrovsky has been getting a string of starts. Um, what have you made uh, of Bobrovsky's performance throughout the last stretch of games? Um, also, for those who just, you know, haven't maybe watched all the games, Panthers kind of been up and down lately, kind of win one, lose one. is kind of the pattern they've settled into lose a couple, then win one here or there. I think it's the last time they won back-to-backs was Coyotes, Red Wings. Um, but what have you made of Sergei Bobrovsky here in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's... It, I, mean, I mean, like he's had to be the guy because like their backup right now is Alex Leon. So it's going to yeah. be Bob and Ned. Like he's going to get... He's got to play these games. Yeah, and like I, I've been... I've been generally happy to be honest. Like he, he's been, he, he's been okay. Like um, there are the consistency issues, right? Like he he does tend to have a bad game every so often. That's for sure. But for the most part, I think he's been he's been filling in quite well. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with that. I think he's been kind of like the, the rest of the team, which is just inconsistent, right? When you look at his numbers over that stretch, it's nine twenty one. Then it's you know then there's an eight seventy one, and then there's a nine thirty five, then an eight twenty one, and it's just. I think it's tough too for a team to play in front of a goalie like he, when he's good, he's been good, but you don't know what Sergey Bobrovsky you're going to get on any given night. He can win it, you a game or lose you a game. It, it's tough though, like because because you look at it just strictly talking about his, his statistics and. Since December 13th, he's only had two games where his save percentage has been below 900. Yeah, which is... And, like, which which ought, like seems very good. And he... But the wins aren't... You know, the wins aren't showing up. Yeah, and I mean, like, even like and, last... 
like last night, they, they went against Vancouver, right? And he played very well. At the same time, though, I don't think the goals he allowed were particularly great. Like, there was the first one, which was just like, that should never go in. Um, and then Pedersen's too. Like, on two of the goals, he was just frozen in net. And, and, and that's the thing, right? Is there? there's just, you, you see this and it's like, well, he, he could be better. Like, he, he should be making those stops. And I think that's what that's the really frustrating thing is that you know he's he's been better in the past, and it's it's just frustrating that you know he could he could do better, but he's not. And I I think that's that's frustrating. And you can't I I don't think you can knock him for the effort he's been he's been making, but it could be better. Yeah, I think like he's doing his best. I think you know it it, it all comes down to what are your expectations of Sergei Bobrovsky. You know, do you expect him to be, you know, a, a really good starting goaltender? Or are you just expecting him to to make the saves he's supposed to make, right? Mm-hmm. And at this point for me, like, I honestly just want consistency. Like, I would rather have a goalie that puts up a 908 around there for 10 games straight than a guy who's up and down 930, 871, because you'll win more games if you're just consistent with it. Yeah, and like, and you've got to look at the bigger picture, right? Like, d- defensively, the Panthers have struggled this season, and you know, you, you can't can't put all the blame on Bobrovsky, but two-time Vezina winning goalie, there are expectations that you'll be able to really just perform given whatever's in front of you. Yeah, I think like the expectation is like it comes down to what he's making. He's making $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. Now, is he ever going to be a $10 million goalie? No, because I don't think that's a really common thing in the NHL to be worth $10 million as a goalie, but you need him to play good enough. And he's not always there. Um, Some of those games, I mean, a big thing for me too, is like, there's been a lot of games where he's let in goals early, like first couple shots of the game. And you you're already like then you're already on the back foot as a team there's there's no statistic out there to like quantify a momentum killer yeah like i remember it's, uh, it's those it's those goals beginning of the period like when you're building something and like quick uh, qu- quick rush on the other side and then you let one in it's those are momentum changers and like those those are huge and they they mean so much more than what they look like on the score sheet yeah, because it's not, it's not always about, like, how many goals you let in, what your save percentage is. People always talk about the timely saves, right? And mm-hmm. statistically, it doesn't, like, make that much sense. But from uh, a human perspective of there's a lot of emotions in a game of hockey, there's a lot mentally going on through a player's head. I think it does genuinely affect the game when you make the saves that you make. Exactly. Right? Uh, and so... That's something you like some more of. Like, I think I remember there was like a few years ago when Cam Talbot was with the Oilers. I think there was genuinely at least seven or eight games where he allowed a goal on the first shot of the game, which is like almost unbelievable. Can you imagine being a player on that team and like, like even three games in thinking, fuck, like, we're like, we're going into this game and it's like, if he lets in the first shot, like, it's just. Like, there's already so much doubt in their mind that it affects the entire team. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it does affect the entire team. Um, the thing that was specifically also of the Broski that really concerned me last game, and he did play great, was that when you allow goals and you don't really move, or you allow goals where there's not a ton of traffic and it goes in, to me, you're not tracking the puck well. Like, he's not seeing the puck as well as he should be. I think that's like an area of improvement you could look for in his game is just being able to see the shot and then being a little more controlled in his movements, I think is when he's out of control, it can get him into trouble. It can also lead to some really great saves, but it can also lead to some scrambles and some goals. Um, I'm also curious. Um, the band is also, they've really struggled to protect the lead lately. And I want to talk about that later in the back half of the episode, because I thought we'd talk about coaching. Um, I don't know if you saw in the Vegas game, there was a uh, Vegas obviously came back. They won it. Um, but the last, not the last, the the go ahead goal for Vegas um, was on a play where Paul Maurice 
two minutes, 15 seconds or so left. They challenge for goalie interference and they lose. I don't know if you saw the goal, but do you think I it's did not? Okay. I will. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me go look it up. Okay. It was so, against Vegas. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you do that. I'm going to try to describe the play as I see it. Cause then I have two questions about that goal. Um, so basically it's kind of a scrambly play pucks kind of bouncing around. Um, I think it is Colasar on Vegas who throws it in front and it's Carrier going in to crash the net. He kind of gets tangled up with Gustav Forsling. Not Forsling. Montour? They get tangled up. <clears throat> he kind of is like off balance, goes into Bobrovsky, the puck's lying on Bobrovsky's pad, and he gets like pushed into the net. Like he basically, w- Bobrovsky gets wiped out and puck goes in. Rolled a good goal on the ice. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Florida then goes. Paul Maurice issues a challenge. They lose the challenge. Vegas on the power play. Vegas wins the game. Um, having a lot of trouble finding it. My apologies. Uh, I still have not found it. Okay. Well, well, you okay? So, the two questions I have about this play, and I'll, I'll let you see if you can find it. I'll maybe look up, look for it too. I'm sorry. I should have told. I should have told you to look at this play before. I forgot. I totally forgot we were going to mention this on on the show. Um, uh, um, but uh, so I that's I, that's on me. I should have. It's all good. It's all good. We'll find it. I'll find it. Yeah. Let me see if I can. No, this is not it. I'm looking for it now. Cannot find it. Oh, can we talk about this fucking why why is it not anywhere? I don't know. I I can pull up the full game and I'll I'll find it. I'll find it. Okay. Wet... Ba- basically it's a tangle up between the player in front, loses balance, goes into Borowski, knocking the puck in. Right? Borowski's like completely wiped out. Yeah, the Vegas player isn't pushed in per se, but there's definitely not really anywhere for him to go. It must be in the. Do, do you think they'd have it in the condensed game? Yeah, they, well, they would because it's a goal. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. They would have to show it. Okay. Okay, is already pulling up. Yeah. And goalie interference is something that's also talked about a lot throughout the league for its inconsistencies like i think we talked earlier on an episode earlier in the season about uh there's another goalie interference call that didn't go the panthers way that i thought was garbage i think it was the one on kachuk where they called it goalie interference maybe that sounds that sounds very and it was like the contact was like minimal and outside the crease and they said goalie interference that one to me was a garbage call oh yeah i remember that one yeah that was like it is such a oh call where there's like a lot to be interpreted with it okay yeah the, i i'm waiting for the replay now okay if, so like it, it, there's a lot of ways to interpret goalie interference where it's not a black and white rule to to a lot of people and i think that makes it difficult on a coach to decide whether to challenge a player or not um but i am curious to know from you they show the worst angle imaginable what is this they give you a terrible angle they don't even like show the the play. I think they, they showed a lot in game. I the 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 problem I have like the because they argued the Montour is the reason that he slammed into Bobrovsky. Yeah. So I, I first I want to know is do you think it's goal interference, and then I want to know do you. Do you challenge it? So I I didn't get a good great view of the play. My interpretation is if there's any doubt to if like Montour looks, I'm not saying pushed him in, but looks like he pushed him in. He, he, it's on the it's replay. Tough. It it kind of looks like Vegas to me. It looks like Vegas is like uh, Carrie looks like he's he's going to that spot regardless, right? 
But I don't think like I think Montour Montour is the one who initiates the contact, right? It's not a lot of contact. It's kind of just a tangle up, and he gets knocked in. To me, I I think this is one where I could see it either way, right? Where if I'm Palmer, like I'm probably not challenging that. That's my point. Yeah, I'm probably not either. Right, like realistically, if I look at a play like that because of how ambiguous the rule is, I think they're probably just going to go with what the call on the ice was. Like, I think if they said no goal, he interfered with the goalie, then they probably would have gone with that. Yeah, I. But they signal goal on the ice. Definitely, I definitely agree. If I'm Paul Maurice, I just that late in the game that if if and let me ask you this. Does the NHL have a track record of making questionable decisions on calls that more or less look obvious to other people? I don't think they track that, no. I th- but I think no no no. Do they have a track record? Yeah. Like do like they do it a lot. Oh, I remember so, there's one I was like, I thought it was ridiculous the other day. So so you know, there there's this there's this pattern, and it's like there's a very tangible risk involved with challenging a play. And if you're Paul Maurice, you have to look at, the, like, God forbid, the, like, you have to look at the worst case scenario. You have to assume the NHL is going to make the call you don't want them to make. And you have to look at what the outcome is going to be. And the outcome of that is you automatically lose the game. That yeah. late in the game to go down on the penalty kill? Like, that's over. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, like, yeah. <clears throat> I used to. Like, also, you can't. You can't take that risk. Even like the the offside one. I used to think is like pretty black and white. I'm like, if it's offside, it's offside. You challenge it, you win, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of ambiguity in that nowadays. Well, so I think a lot of the ambiguity, like, it used to be that it was like, oh, like, is his skate touching or not? I think now the ambiguity is more lies with like w- defining possession for players yeah like there was one like, the other like, there was oh. one for st louis a few days against calgary that i think uh was very interesting um but they like the ambiguity is like like transferred over to that where you like if you lose the puck like do you lose possession can you still like in the it's very. I think it's become very ambiguous in that sense. Well, there's like some I see. I think I'm trying to find a clip to send it to you. It's from the Coyotes Lightning game. Um, where like I can't even find. I can't find a video of it. I can find. I think I can find a picture of it. Where it was like, Braden Point. It's like literally stick handling the puck to get into the zone. The guy's offside, but because. He's not specifically like he's in the middle of stick handling because he doesn't specifically have the puck on his stick as he's entering the zone. He hasn't entered the zone with possession. They're calling like, that. They're, they're, but that's very. Me, it's very is, subjective. It's like it's like if 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 they lift the stick, the referee has to interpret in, or the lines person has to interpret whether this deliberate action of not touching the puck is is he like giving up possession so his guy can come in is he keeping possession like how do you define that and i i think that's what's become very very tough yeah i sent you a i sent you something on twitter don't watch the video just look at like the picture of it yeah so it's like no one's around braden point he's entering the zone with the puck guy's offside but he hasn't touched the puck in the zone yet so technically, they're saying that's a dumping, even though he touched it like several times before entering the zone. Like he's like stick handling it in. Like to me, that's offside. I know why it's not, but that just like logically break that down. You're saying he well, dumped it in. Well, here's the thing. Himself. Here's the thing. Like I'm okay with this not being offside if the rule is touching the puck, not possession. Hmm. Right, but I'm pretty sure the rule is possession. Mm. 
So, and it's defined like what is position because Braden Point touches that puck several times before he enters his own. So, in my mind, he has possession that entire time, regardless of whether he's touching it at the point of entry. Because if that was the case, I would just like stick handle into the zone, not touch it, have my guy like loop in. Like, exactly. Dude, exactly. You could like you could abuse that so much, right? There's one, there one with the Oilers, same thing with McDavid, like uh a couple weeks ago too so to me like i used to think that was a really black and white rule and it appears not so these days right and i think goaltending goaltender interference is even less it's even more uh ambiguous so if something's called a goal on the ice and it's as borderline as like what happened in the vegas panthers game i'm not challenging it but to me what that's like to me when paul maurice challenges that I interpret that as him saying he doesn't think the Panthers can come back and tie that game in the next two minutes and 15 seconds. He doesn't believe it. Because if Paul Maurice thinks, you know what, with two minutes and 15 seconds left, if I throw my best five out there, pull the goalie, get six, we can get the goal and send it to overtime. He doesn't find like a good comparison. It's like, like he, he got too blinded by the reward if he won. Like, cause I I agree with him that if he wins that challenge, the that is a completely different game. Yeah, it's but like, it... like like you can't just look at the most favorable outcome. You also have to look at the least favorable outcome, which is we go on a PK with like no time left in the game. Yeah, well, my, my thought is like. If you don't challenge that, Vegas is up 3-2, right? If you think your team can score in that two minutes, you don't challenge it, right? But if you think, but if you don't think they're going to be able to tie that game, then you might as well challenge it because mm-hmm. then you've in your head you've already lost. So to me, I don't think he, he believed it that they were going to be able to come. He might have been right. He might yeah. not be. But I don't think that's a moment where you challenge. I I don't think so either. Right. On, on, unless it was like really, really obviously goalie interference. Right. And again, yeah. that depends on the person. But to me, that just isn't it. It wasn't enough. Nope. I agree. Right. Like I can see it as goalie interference. I can see it as not goalie interference. And if I feel that way about a play, I'm, I'm going to leave it. Exactly. With that, with that amount of time with the game. Now, now, granted, if I, I do, be, I, I do believe that if it's, 2-1 for the Panthers or if it's 3-2 three, two, three, two Vegas and they score to make it 4-2 or if they score to make it 2-2 two, two, I, I do respect the challenge yeah I think but I think that, you know because like either A you're still only losing by one or like B you're now down by two and it's like well if you're going to be down by two and who cares yeah, like do you chat like do you still challenge that at five minutes left? Do you challenge it with a minute left? Like if there's if there's literally under a minute left, I don't mind the challenge. It it was just it It's a weird time to, to go for it. it I'm not know. saying I would never challenge that specific play. What I'm saying is I would never challenge in that specific situation. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. I think it would take a much different situation for me to challenge that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it is what it is. And then, yeah, yeah you know, Panthers lose that is. one. It is what it is, really. And that's kind of just the slogan for the Panthers season thus far. Um, last thing, I want to have one more thing before we go into an ad break, though. Uh, Panthers also claiming Casey Fitzgerald off waivers. They also play Zach Dolph on waivers today. Um, I don't know how much we need to talk about that. He barely played. Um, yeah. He's, you know, but... Casey Fitzgerald, what do you make of this waiver claim? He has, let me break it down. I have pulled up his elite prospects page for this segment because we are prepared. <clears throat> he is 25 years old. He is five foot eleven, shoots right. His dad is Tom Fitzgerald. He is cousins. Well, wait a second. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I just saw what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> You got a page up too. <laughs> okay, because like oh, I pulled, so I, I pulled up this page. Obviously, I like initially just skipped all that because I really only cared about you know how many games he's played, right? And I was gonna go into, you know, he's really only played like 
50 NHL games, uh, 59 NHL games. He's got like nine points, right? He's more defensive than he is offensive. That was what NHL was going to say. And I think all that's still true. But what we both just <laughs> saw is his cousins, Matthew Kachuk. Like, this is ridiculous. Well, now, does that change how I feel about this? He was also cousins with Jimmy Hayes, who played for the Panthers. Oh, my goodness. So he was born to be a Panther. I think so. It's It runs in the family. That's crazy. All right, that interesting. is crazy. That is really interesting. Um, wow. Yeah, wow. I wonder how close they are. I don't know. Well, they're about to get a whole lot closer. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so he's played like he's played in 23 games this year for the Sabres. He's got three points, minus one. Sabres, average team, let's say. Do you like this waiver claim by the Panthers? And I, I should also point out, by the way, Paul Maurice did say he will not play Casey Fitzgerald on his offside. He must play on the right side. He will only play on the right side when the opportunity presents itself. Um, which I guess, like, I appreciate the just matter of factness from Paul Maurice. If anything, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I do, I do know the Panthers. They, they are. They have some guys on the right side that can play, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I not do. what I wanted to hear from Paul Maurice. No, it's not. Like, because I do like this claim. I think it's, you know, one enough. of those, one of those like low risk. Very, it's becoming very like, like um, Billy Zito esque to do this. He loves making small risk transactions. They could potentially pan out, and especially given that. The state of the Panthers' defense this year, like, I I like the claim. Yeah, I like I don't mind it. Um, like again, yeah, like you said, like you're claiming, um, you know, a guy with maybe some upside. Like he's not. I think he he's close to a finished project because he's 25 years old, right? Oh he yeah, is, he's never gonna be like. He's, he's probably not... a seventh or eighth D, right? Yeah, like he's he's a depth he's a depth at right as most guys on waivers are. Although, how absurd is it? And I get why because kind of reasons. But Eby Tolvanen was on waivers and now he's killing it with Seattle. How did yeah. Seattle get a claim in? How did they get him? <laughs> like I that whole situation is absurd to me. Because I don't know why, but I could like Seattle's the only team I could see him try thrive for. That or yeah. Yeah, but I could like, also see I could also see the Vancouver Canucks like claiming him and just him just not doing anything for the Canucks. Well yeah, like realistically he's a poor man's Brock Besser. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like like it's very rare you see like actually like nice players on waivers, Eli Tolvanen being I think an exception. Yeah. Um for what it's worth, like I like Casey Fitzgerald. I think his strengths are what the Panthers' weaknesses are. Um, you know, like he does turn over the puck a little bit, but he is more of a defensive style defenseman. He has decent mobility. Um, like he's not your your type of puck moving defenseman. He's not a Mahura, a Forsling, mm-hmm. Montour type defenseman. He's more gonna look after his own zone. I think that's what the Panthers are missing. That being said, I don't love that they won't play him on the offside. Mainly because if they were willing to just take that gamble, I I would wager a good amount of money that Casey Fitzgerald, right shot 25-year-old defenseman, AHL, NHL tweener, would give you better minutes than Mark Stahl. It, it baffles me. Like, the the the... the... The stubbornness to like keep playing these guys is just—I don't get it. I'm uh, clearly missing something. Yeah, I also want to clarify something. We've been pretty harsh on the Stall brothers all season long uh, on this podcast. But Eric, what's the thing is like, I think like Eric, his scoring's been much better lately, right? And he like, which is great. You love to see. It. You need the depth scoring. Even when he wasn't scoring that much, like it feels almost a little unfair to lump them together because even when he wasn't scoring, he hasn't been unbelievable, but he's been a fair bit better than Mark. Definitely has. Right? Mark Stahl to me is essentially one of those like shot blocking dummies you use in practice 
yeah that you kind of just go around or like put this put the puck like in between the stick you know yeah he's like one of those but one that also occasionally takes like a bad penalty for just not moving his feet precisely right so i think i would love to see kate gerald get an opportunity i don't know like i'm sure he'll get one it might be a little while and something would have to you know someone would have to go get a little nicked up or something but I'm curious to see what he can bring to the team. I like I've watched him in Buffalo. I haven't minded him. Yeah, like I definitely don't think we're in a situation where the the, the, the there there's an argument that he, putting him on his offside could actually be that detrimental to the Panthers. Because yeah. like even if like let's say he does play and they wait to play him till they can get him on his right side. He's still going to play 12 minutes a game. Well, no, he's a D, so he'll probably play like 15 minutes a game at most. Yeah. 15 minutes of Fitzgerald on the left side would not hurt anybody. In fact, I would argue that it could probably help. Yeah, I do think also, and I want to point this out, is that I think it really says something about the Panthers' current situation that we're talking about a 25-year-old with 59 games of NHL experience as an upgrade. It's... As having it's a positive impact on it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I definitely had tempered expectations at the beginning of the season, but never did I think we'd be in this situation. No, it's been much worse. And we'll get into talking about um, some ramifications and stuff like that. Um, but first, I want to do a quick ad read, and then we'll get into some more uh, Panther stuff. But we do have a quick word from our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up. With each leg you add up to one hundred percent. Um, obviously, you know I, I I do love throwing down some money on the occasional NFL game. Occasionally, it pays off big, as previously mentioned. Um, but yeah, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code THPN. New customers can bet five dollars on the NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Noah, back into it. Panthers hockey. Uh, We had a couple of things we wanted to talk about. First though, uh, we're talking a little bit about Paul Maurice. Should Paul Maurice be on the hot seat right now? Because I know what we've been saying for a while. It's early. It's early. I don't think it's early anymore. Like we're halfway through the year. But I I think, I think you got to write it out. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying like shit can the guy. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would. I've seen a lot of people say it, but it is early. Probably at the point where we can definitely start criticizing him. Like rather heavily, like, saying that he is a contributing factor of them not being this good. Yeah, and I think that's completely fair. I think that's fair. I don't think it's too early. Like, no. I, I think that, you know, we're we're past the halfway point in the season now. Um, I think, you know, we're, it's in, we're in a position where half a season, like, Coming in in the off season, you should be able to put in your like culture should be installed, and like you should, we should be seeing a little more with the players he has at his at his disposal. I I I know depth is is really tough, but he should they should be closer in some games. I'm uh, not saying they got to win them. I'm just saying like they 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 need to like. The stupid mistakes, they've got to, like, he's got to be accountable for that type of stuff and just not being in as many games as they should be. Yeah, I think for me, like, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, they, they compare it to Andrew Burnett. I get why. Um, But, like, the reality is this roster isn't as good as the one Andrew Burnett had. It's just not nearly as deep. 
it's back to the fact of the matter, right? That being said, I think they probably have a better record with Andrew Burnett behind the bench. Um, they just look a little bit out of sync a lot of the time. Like last year, they were so dynamic offensively, right across all four lines, and they just don't have that this year, right? And anything. Not at all. Um, one of the big worries for me, though. Uh, <clears throat> apologies. Aside from the overall play, is that last year it was all about the comeback cats, right? That's all they did was come back in games, right? They were never out of it, and there just isn't any of that this year. Like they can't even protect the lead. No, and that it's it's it, and that has to be I it has to be blamed on coaching. I I, I really think that's a genuine coaching thing. Right, like we talked about the Vegas one. Like, I don't think he believes in the players, and I don't know if the players believe in the coach that they can come back and win a game. Exactly, belief, right? And right, stalling belief is very hard, and it's you, and especially when you go, you're so inconsistent. It's like it's really, really hard to build the momentum. Yeah, like I think like last season, I think if I turned on a Panthers game and it started the third period, I think regardless of the score, score, I felt a genuine belief the Panthers would win that game. And I think like if you turn on never, it, they were never they were never out of it. Right now, when I, if I turn on Panthers game in the third period, I I genuinely think, regardless of the score, I think they'll probably lose this game, even if they're winning. They won't protect that lead. They don't have the defensive ability. They don't have the defensive structure. Right? You talk about Paul Maurice when he was in Winnipeg, and they did have some success there. They also had one of the best goalies in the NHL there. I know you disagree with that because you don't like Connor Hellebuck, but the reality is you look at every metric, he saved their asses <laughs> almost all the time. Yeah. Right? And you don't have that with the goalies that are here in Florida. And no. that's a big factor, I think, in why the results are the way they are. I think the, like the inconsistency of the team, you don't know what Panthers team you're going to get, win one, lose one. Like they don't – when you look at the Panthers this season – they barely beat the teams they should beat, and then they lose every single time that you would think they would lose. Right? Like, they should beat the Canucks, and they did, but barely. They should lose to Vegas, and they did. They barely beat Colorado, who's also really, really struggling. Right? They get blown out by the Stars. They barely beat the Red Wings. Which that, they that Colorado game, I don't know if you watched that one, but uh, I'm pretty sure there was a was there a goal disallowed? Yeah, I think there was a goal disallowed for the Avalanche. Yeah. Late in the game to tie it. Yeah. And the Panthers were like, up big in that one and they let the lead slip. Like it's 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 bad. Like it's not it's it's at the point where it's just not things aren't going well. And there are shining lights like Barkov's like point production's been good. Kachuk's been outstanding. Like Montour's been good, it, but it's it's very little. Yeah, so I'm and looking. We were, we were texting about was it Sam Bennett? We were talking about Sam Bennett, and I think you could all like. I, I ha- yeah, I brought up Sam Reinhardt. It's like they're just not doing much. No, right? Like they're both like the production's been like okay-ish it's like close to 30 points in 44 games but like last year they both had like last year both guys had career years right i think like they're not super super far off of that but oh i don't think even though the points might be there like a decent amount i don't think their play has been what it was last year in- I think part of that is they've been a bit unlucky, but I think part of that is they're just not generating as much. And I know they don't have Jonathan Huberto like they had last year, but those guys I I, I look at and say, should they be part of the long-term future of this team? See, and, and I have trouble blaming individuals for this. I have trouble blaming Bill Zito. I have trouble blaming Paul Maurice. I have bl- trouble blaming like, I don't know, like Barkov, you know, like individual people, because I I feel like it was, it was pretty, it's a pretty collective effort and just not, not being as good as, as we can, but also just 
just being able to do whatever they can with what they have. Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day is like it, it, the, the message I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like interpreting is, well, like what else can we do? Like, this is just like not a, compl- not a complacency, but just, uh, you know, like, yeah, like this, this is it, like this is the team. Like, what, like, what are we supposed to do? Right, it's one of those ones where it's like, that's, I don't. That's what I. That's what I feel like, and that, I, and I agree with that. And it's like, what are we supposed to do? This is, this is part of it. Like, we've got to go through this. Yeah, like I don't think this is a particularly good team. That said, I think they could be doing better. I don't think they're playing up to their potential, but I also don't think they have that same level of potential they had last year. I've also pulled it up because I was just genuinely curious. The last time the Panthers beat a team that is currently higher than them in the standings was December 3rd, over a month ago. Over about a month and a half ago. And before that, it was November 23rd. They beat Seattle and they beat Boston. Those are the last two wins they have over a team that's been better than them in the standings. That's, That's not good enough. You have to beat the teams ahead of you to get in. And they cannot do it. Sadly, that probably tells you all you need, all you need to know. Yeah, it, it really, like, and sprinkled in there are some losses where it's like you should win those games. Yeah, right, and like you didn't. So it's just hard to be optimistic about the team for this season. But overall, I'm still optimistic with the future of this team. Don't get me wrong there. Like I think long term, next three four years, I think it'll be good. Right, I don't think in three four years, Paul Maurice is a coach. I don't think. You know, they'll have the same salary cap issues. Or they will, but it'll be fine because the team will be better, right? You won't have some of those big contracts. Um, You mentioned something before we started recording, a debate question. It's the last thing yeah, I wanted. I, I was actually thinking, like, I, I know, like, maybe maybe if I'm, uh, maybe we can make a graphic and maybe we can post it on our on our Twitter account and see if anybody wants to. Yeah, I, I'll, 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 uh, I can cook something up. I can try. All right. If you, if you want to try, go for it. If not, I can cook something up. Little graphics. We want to pose this question. First of all, we should start off by saying we we did fuck up on many of our episodes when we said oh, yeah. we got to apologize. We were dead wrong about that, that the pick was protected in the Montreal trade. It most yeah. certainly was not. Yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, yeah. No, I kept, I kept seeing like legitimate sources reposting stuff. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like it's top 10 protected with the- what are they talking about? And then I actually looked on Cap Friendly, and I like originally I had misread it, and it is not top ten protected. So, is- anyways, you posted the question. Yes, post the question to me before we start recording. Yes, if hypothetically, if the pick the Montreal Canadiens acquired from the Florida Panthers for twenty games of Ben Sherrod winds up being the first overall pick, and Connor Bedard, who is unbelievable one of the best prospects we've seen since mcdavid if that pick turns into connor bedard connor bedard and connor bedard has the <laughs> career i think we all anticipate he will have is that the worst trade in nhl history um do you do you want to answer first yeah i i think so honestly yeah well i i i think so you brought up an interesting one, though. Okay, so I actually have a few interesting because I did, I did in preparation for this Google worst yeah. trades in NHL history. There are a few I want to bring up, right? Yeah, let's talk about them. But I think you have to really look at the context around the trades, and you have to consider how bad were they at the time and how badly did they work out, right? Like, for example, some people will say the Zidane Chara trade is one of the worst trades of all time, and it is. But at the time, Zidane Chara was not Hall of Famer Zidane Chara that he turned out to be, right? That's reality of it, right? It doesn't look that bad at the time. I think for Connor, I think this Bedard trade, uh, if, if it were to be Connor Bedard, I shouldn't call it I sh- the Sherratt trade, right? Yeah. Even if that pick wasn't going to be Connor Bedard, even if it was in like the mid-teens, right? Mid to late teens. I think you still look at that and say it's a bad trade on day one because Ben Sherratt is... And this isn't me. This is me quoting other people. Well, He's to be to, to to be fair, you immediately thought it was a bad deal. 
Well, yeah, because I have eyes. Exactly. Right? So, and, like, I don't think Ben Sherratt is, like, a terrific hockey player by any means, right? But I also don't think it's, like, his fault. Like, it's not, like, nothing against Ben Sherratt here, right? To be fair, because no, he didn't no, train no, himself, No, 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 absolutely right? nothing. Right? He didn't choose what he was traded for. Like, that's the reality of it. Same thing like The, the market, the market chose, like, yeah, I, right. I agree. Right. No, like I you can never, definitely not never blame someone for what went the other way. So not blaming him at all. No, no, right? no. He like Ben Schrott just happens to be his name, right? Like, like I this just, could be any other like per, like defenseman of his stature. Yeah, like I think we look with what you like, what you gave up at the time. Even if you thought it was going to be a way later first round pick, you still knew it was going to be a very deep draft class, and you also knew, like, you should know Ben Schrott just like it wasn't the guy. There were a lot of defensemen that got moved at last year's deadline. And I'd argue there are a lot of defensemen who went for a lot less who would have been far more helpful to the Florida Panthers. Exactly. Right? Like, that just is what it is. I I agree. And, like, knowing that, like, it's just... Yeah, I, 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 I think you should bring up some of the comparables. Some comparable trades? Like the the worst, the ones you Googled. Yeah, okay. I'm going to bring that up. I'm just looking up something really quick before that. Yeah. I'm just absolutely curious. Okay. Let's see. Like, because Connor Bedard, his trajectory, I, I'd say is, like, he's slated to be a, point per game producer immediately like he's supposed to be a mcdavid yeah if you were uh if you were florida though let's say last year's deadline would you have given up a little more to get like not a little uh, a little little bit more like like a a size a a noticeable chunk more but to get hampus lindo see and you were you were talking about like other trades that had happened at the deadline last year that you're like and that's the first one that came to mind yeah, like even like Memphis Lindholm is like ended up being such a stud. Yeah, or you look up like let me look one up, and I know this player. I don't think I actually would. I think you can make a genuine case this player is better than, uh, better than Ben Chirot and would have been more useful. Oh, one million! Like no disrespect to Ben Chirot again, but Memphis Lindholm is, but like a few miles ahead of him. Would you rather, or would you rather the Panthers also give up way less and get like Brett Kulak? I, I like Brett Kulak. Yeah, I like him too. Because right? um, I don't, I think you can make a case he's actually better than Ben Sherratt, right? Some will disagree, but you could make that case, and you could argue like the cost was just way less. It was way way less. It's like getting a very similar Gustav Forsling. Why wouldn't you want another one? Exactly. So. Uh, to me, yeah, like the trade at the time, just absurd. But we'll bring up some comparable trades here. I'm going to bring up the, the biggest trade in hockey. And right out of the, okay, so I'm going to bring up the Wayne Gretzky trade. Okay. Best player in the history of the game. Traded. Here's the thing for me and why I think this Panthers trade is worse. If it were to be Connor Bedard. Because Wayne Gretzky wasn't really traded. He was sold. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right? Owner was in trouble. You could do that back then. You've sold the player not traded him don't count that no right because no. i, I from think hockey, that's because from a hockey perspective like automatic l for the oilers right and they but they knew that at the time it wasn't about winning the trade it was about making money which they did yeah all right um like that's we're talking about strictly hockey deals like like player like looking at the the, the talent going on both sides and i feel like the gretzky trade is like void because one of the that one of the biggest pieces was a non-hockey asset yeah um well like one of the things too like if this were to turn to Connor Bernard too right is you're basing this also off of like Connor Bernard's potential right your answer will vary depending on how good you think Connor Bernard can be right do you mm. think he could do you think Connor Bernard could be a top 10 player all time in the NHL because here's the thing for me it's it, man it's that's a tough question that, that could be another question for another episode. Mm-hmm. Because to me, if you're looking at him as the best prospect since McDavid, 
I think McDavid is probably going down as top five. Yeah. Right? Like, realistically, like, he's in that Crosby-Ovi territory. How old is he? He's 25 now, and, like, he just, his birthday was a few days ago, right? He just turned 26. He's slightly he older than 26. Casey Fitzgerald, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and he, he already has how many points? Do you know this? Connor McDavid? Yeah. Uh, he's over he's 82 over points. over 700. Uh, like over 700 points in his career so far. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's over by the age of 26. Like if he goes pointless the rest of the year, he's above a point per game, which is absurd. Like right, right now in this, just this season alone, 45 games, 83 points. He has 780 points in 532 games. It's, it's funny. We, we look, I looked this up the other day. He's leading the league in goals and leading the league in assists. Yeah. He's almost at 40 goals this year. His goal totals alone is are absurd. I do love I because I saw you like do you see the quote like by Drysidle before the season? Like he sat down with uh someone from TSN, I think. I think it was with uh he sat down with uh no Sportsnet. It was uh Elliot Friedman, right? Doing like a little sit down okay. interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about like his relationship with David. He's like, Oh, we like to you know chirp each other a lot, right? And I keep telling him, like, and I was like, yeah, I keep telling him, like, he needs to shoot more. Like, he could genuinely win, like, the goal scoring title every year if he wanted to. That's crazy. And, <laughs> so he's like, I keep telling him, like, shoot the fuck on it. And, and he's been and, doing that this year. You know, it's funny that you brought that up, like, the, the if he wanted to. And I, I think there's very little players in the league that you can say if they want to score, they can do it. Yeah. I think you've got McDavid. I think you've got, like, if they they just, and especially considering their shooting ability. And you've got McDavid, you've got Matthews, you've got maybe Ovechkin. Yeah. And then Kucherov. Yeah. Well, like, that's the thing, though. It's like, like, like look at those. There, there's, there's so little of them. And I, in my mind, and looking, and, uh, you know, I, I'm out West, so I get to see a lot more Connor Bedard content. It's, that's the way he operates in the, in the WHL. And that's the way he operated in World Juniors. If he wants if to score, he, he'll score. If he wants to score, he will score, yeah. or he will make the goalie make an outstanding save, or he will ring it off the post. Like, if he wants to score, he will get extremely close. Right? Like, it, yeah, it just seems like he's always a threat to score, right? Like, yeah. Matthews, like Ovechkin, right? To me, when you look at the, like, you look at, like, Ovechkin and Matthews, their best trait by far, you ask anyone, is their ability to score goals. Not a single person will tell you that about Connor McDavid. Nope, nope. But he's the best goal scorer in the NHL. And I, and I, I think that and that's not his thing. The most of the discourse around McDavid should just be like, or is, he's just, he's just the best. He's the best at everything. He, he really is. He just like... I think that's the reality. He's just the best, period. Like, he is better than Crosby now that I don't think there's any doubt. As... As much as I love what Crosby's doing this season, like it's just McDavid's better. Oh, there's no one like there's no one on his level. It's exactly. too easy a league for him, realistically. But it we is. really we really should get back to the, the trade comparables though. Yeah. Not that we've just Connor Bedard, though, I think top ten all time. Right? I, I'm calling it now. Uh, it could age poorly, but that's fine. So but, like, operating operating under this 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 narrative, like the the storyline, like there's no way. This can go down as not the worst trade in NHL history if he does pan out being a yeah. top ten player all time, right? And but the if is a thing, right? Because you don't know, right? So yeah. But um, some other trades we got here: we got Mark Messier to the New York Rangers from the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I say no because I think the Oilers a were at the end of their dynasty. They already lost Gretzky. Messier was twenty nine, and they didn't really get anything back. Like they got Louis DeBrusque, Stephen Rice, and Bernie Nichols, but Bernie Nichols was washed. Louis DeBrusque is a good commentator, and Stephen Rice is a name I'm just seeing for the first time. So, like, he wasn't really traded for anything, but it's a guy at the end of his career. So, not the end of his career, but he's past his prime. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's a terrible trade, but the Bedard, like the Sherat one, would be worse. Yeah, and that's a trade made on the tail end of five cups. Yeah. So 
different. All right, here's another one though. This one could be interesting. I actually think this one is to, for for my money. This is the worst trade for me. 1975, the Detroit Red Wings had traded to the LA Kings, Bart Crashley, and Marcel Dion for Dan Maloney and Terry Harper in a second. Marcel Dion, first of all, one of the best to ever play. And I don't know who those other guys are other than... Dan Maloney. Is it Don Maloney? That's not Don. Not even Don Maloney. It could be Don Maloney. They could have misspelled it in this article. But that's a brutal trade. It, it, it's not a good look. To me, because that's a, that's a, like, I don't know what Marcel Dion was doing before then, to be honest. But that's a, I think that's a worse trade at the time and potentially worse overall. I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out there's a, you brought up the 1975 one and I'm like, I'm like thinking like, I'm like thinking back on trades now. And I'm like, Ken Dryden was originally selected by the Boston Bruins and got traded to the Montreal Canadians after that. Yeah. But I'm trying to find what the, what the return was. Like that's a bad one. Paul Reed and Guy Allen. Yeah. Like the, the ones that are like that old too, it's like hard to know because like, I don't know the entire context around the 1975 yeah, season. Like, like I just trades don't. Trades were different. Trades right? were different. I want to say. Whereas like with this trade, the Ventura trade, like you knew what the Panthers were trying to do, right? They were trying to win a Stanley cup. They were trying to get the defenseman to push them over the edge, but they didn't get any of that. And they thought they were giving up this and it ended up being, probably a lot higher of a pick than they intended right and so, you can you can probably like you can definitely say that it would be the worst trade of the 2000s oh yeah i think like like that's like you look at the post post salary cap era yeah well but i think it's it's not the worst at the time it's the worst i think it'd be the worst in hindsight yeah because I think like there are worse trades at the time. Like I think Taylor Hall for Adam Larson's a worse trade at the time. That was bad. Like that was that was bad at the time and it aged bad. But this one probably didn't look like this trade didn't look as bad at the time because you thought the pick was going to be way later, and some people like Ben Sherratt. Exactly. No, I, it, I like like that being said, like. I don't think Bill Zito ever saw a universe in which this was going to be a lottery pick. Okay, what about? I'm just thinking because like, there's some old, another like some old ones here, like Doug Gilmore to the Leafs, Brett Hollow to the Blues, right? Like those, I think are on similar level. I, we mentioned like the Dano Char to the Senators to me doesn't count because Dano Char wasn't that good yet, right? Let's let's take another first overall pick, Eric Lindros. Lindros. Well, they were they were forced, and they won. They were forced, but Quebec got a great return. Well, they won a cup, not in Quebec. Eventually, yeah, they got it. And I, I think, I mean, if you look at it like that, like one hundred percent, it'd be the lowest price to pay for a first overall pick. To me, like if you make a if you make a horrendously bad trade, but you still win a cup in the next couple years, I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, that's because it, cause it led you that path, right? And realistically, like it, I said the same thing at the time. I said, I think the Ben Chirot trade is terrible, but I do not care if the Panthers win a cup. But they but, did it. Okay, okay, here's the thing. The fact that they didn't... Like, the fact that they didn't... Say they win the cup next year. Say they win the cup in two years. You can't you can't say that that, that trade was part of the bigger... No, it, if anything... Bigger agenda. Back. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I am, I'm trying to find reasons to think that it's not the worst trade in the history, and I, I think it would be. Uh, Cam Neely from the Canucks to the Bruins. Cam Neely, all time great. They also sent a first round pick in that trade. See, and that that one was bad, but Barry Peterson produced for a couple seasons with the Canucks, so there was that. That's true. Um. 
Yeah, like, like they got they, they at least the Canucks got two good seasons. Yeah. Like bench rod. Right. I also I also like won't count like the Jets trading with Tamo Solani to the Ducks because the Jets were moving. Yeah. So that was like they didn't really have a choice. You can talk about the Patrick Waugh trade. Didn't really have a choice. But this thing is like some of these trades are like players wanted out, right? They didn't really exactly. have a say in the matter. This is like no one, no one put a gun to your head and said you need Ben Sherratt <laughs> at any cost. Like no one said that. It, it, you know, I, I I agree. I think it, a lot of it comes back to that. It's just nobody nobody told you you had to make this trade. You did it on your own, and it's it backfired big time. And now we're uh, in this position. Okay, I'm thinking of I'm trying to think of some recent ones that have been like really, really, really bad. One comes to mind, and it's Griffin Reinhardt for the Matt Barzell pick. See? Griffin Reinhardt had less of an impact with the Oilers than Ben Chirot did with the Panthers. I, I actually think that's a great comparable. Right. And the pick is like, it's obviously Bedard would be first overall. That would look way worse. But the, uh, that pick, Matt Barzell, right? Here's the thing for me. Obviously, it's a draft. You don't know what you're going to go get, right? Yeah. Like, you just don't. It, it. That's why it's a draft, right? Players can be in anything. But you should, like, we all knew how deep that draft was, right? Even if they didn't take Matt Barzell, they still could have taken Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, right? Now, none of these guys are ever going to be on the level of Connor Bedard. But Griffin Reinhardt, terrible. Not good, no. And I, you know, I, I think that's that's a re- like, that's a great comparable. But again, like you brought up, it's a draft, and like you can't guarantee the Oilers would have drafted Matt Barzell. Or, Actually, I, yeah. I'm fairly certain they were gonna take Joel Eriksonak, good two way center. Could the Oilers use a good two way center? Slide Nugent Hopkins over to the wing. I mean, I think yes. Yeah. No, I don't think you would have heard. I mean, uh, point being, like, just... Yeah, no, I... I'm trying to think about it. It's just, I can't. I think this would be the worst. I I think, like, obviously it's very hypothetical, and it's not that likely that that pick turns into Connor Bedard. No, In fact, it's quite unlikely. Right. And I don't, like, I think think if it does, like, I think you can make a case for it being the worst trade of all time. If, yeah. But even if it's, let's say it landed in like the top 10, right? And like there are some good, good players in the top 10, right? And a guy turns into like a point per game player. I don't think it's the worst trade of all time, but I think it's in the conversation for like top 10 worst trades of all time. Yeah, right? I, I think so too. He, I mean, God, like even a guy like Fantilli probably. Fantilli. Oh. Mitchkov. Imagine Mitchkov. Well, the, yeah. Mitchkov, yeah. no, no. Imagine Mitchkov when he comes over in like four years, and there's no Bobrovsky, no Hornquist. You got cap space. He slots in. You have infinite forward depth. It doesn't matter that no one can defend, right? Him, Kachuk, and Barkov. Can you imagine? Him, Kachuk, and Barkov up front. Kachuk you... would protect him. Barkov would just make sure that he's good defensively. It would be a dream. I know, and then even if somehow the opponents manage to get the puck out of their own zone, you're still staring down Aaron Eckblad and Casey Fitzgerald. Like, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters at that point. Right? Like, uh, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Only time will tell. Yeah, but that was a great question. I really like that. I'll pull up a graphic. I'll throw it. I'll throw it. Let's see if we can throw it out. Or if if you want to make it. let, Let me see. I'll try making it, and then I'll let you know. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. You know, we never know. And I don't think Noah's ever attempted this before. He could make it all in like French or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, that does it for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much to everyone tuning in and listening. We'll be back next week, maybe if I can find someone to fill in, with a brand new episode talking more Panthers hockey, more stuff from around the league. Uh, so looking forward to it. Um, so thank you for listening. We'll see you all then. Pitch stand goes to the net. Huberto moving in, waiting. 
center, Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net, Barkov between the legs, unbelievable! Did you just do that, Alexander Barkov? The Panthers are back on top.